0: And thank you for being with us, Priority Talk Radio. Greg Davis here with you here on WXJC Radio, 101.1 FM. Find us at PriorityTalkRadio.com. And uh, all of our uh, conversations and our uh, uh, comments also found there on all your favorite podcast platforms, Priority Talk. Uh, One of our uh, favorite guests over the years, Mr. Jeremiah Johnston, is with us, and uh, he's got a brand-new book out. Perfect uh, as we... Approach uh, Easter Resurrection Sunday. It's called Body of Proof. It's the seven best reasons to believe in the resurrection of Jesus, and why it matters today. Uh, Jeremiah, of course, is a New Testament scholar. He's a president of the Christian Thinkers Society. He's written uh, about a dozen or so books. He's been all over national television and radio platforms, and uh, been with us several times over the years. And Jeremiah, after all that, how you doing, my brother? Good. To, good to uh, oh, hear man, from you.
1: It's so great so great to be talking to you, Greg. I always love our conversation. What a week. This is Super Bowl week for the church, Easter week, and I'm just thrilled to talk about my new book, Body of Proof, because there's so much great evidence for the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus, and when we live a resurrection-centric life, it just makes everything make sense.
0: Well, it certainly does. Let me also mention that he's serving as pastor of apologetics and cultural engagement at Prestonwood Baptist Church. There with Dr. Graham, Jack Graham, who's Heard here on our station every day, and uh, been a guest here many times before, so i let you know where Jeremiah's coming from and who all he's working with. Uh, you talk in the book, uh, Body of Proof, and it's available now. We're going to link all that up. You talk about resurrection faith. Um, tell us what you mean uh, by that. Uh, a lot of people just kind of believe in Jesus, but maybe they don't even know uh, what they believe or why they believe it
1: yeah so important. You know when we talk about what it means to be a Christian, the Bible is so helpful to us because we can say it very quickly. Um, it's very sophisticated, but it's also very simple. to be a Christian is to believe that Jesus um, that Jesus died for our sins according to the scripture, and that he rose from the grave after three days, according to the scriptures. We get the gospel in First Corinthians chapter fifteen verses three. Through 7, that includes the empty tomb, that includes the appearance traditions, but the gospel, every time the gospel comes out in the New Testament, Greg, it's the deity, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. That's God's perspective on it. Those are the facts that are relate to the gospel. And what, what I mean by resurrection faith is there is no faith that is Christian that does not include the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus. In other words, you can't be a Christian. If you don't believe Jesus physically bodily rose from the grave, that's that's part and parcel to the Christian movement. And unfortunately... Uh, there are many Christians who want to be Christians, but they're a little bit wishy-washy mm-hmm. when it comes to the evidences, and if they really believe Jesus physically bodily rose from the grave, this was a non-negotiable in the early church, and it's the only reason the church exists today. Christianity would have uh, would have disappeared were it not for the fact of Jesus' resurrection.
0: Yeah, you use the word clumsy in in describing how most Christians are on the on their resurrection faith. I thought that was a great word. Uh, we sort of know it, but we don't really have a great handle on it. And for it to be the uh, the pinnacle, the the non-negotiable of our faith, we really ought to know uh, that it, for sure that it happened and see the evidence and, and the proofs of it. And so that's what you do in this book. Um, now, there's 300 passages on the resurrection in the New Testament, the book of Acts. It's all through the book of Acts. Um, why was this... Not why, but tell us how important—of course it was important—tell us how important this resurrection faith was to the early church, especially compared to the emphasis that we put on it in today's church.
1: You know, it really is important, Greg, but I also think it's understudied
0: today. I think it's
1: underpreached. I think it's undertaught. And I just want to be clear about this, because it is all important to us, certainly, but I don't think we reflect that in modern Christianity like we need to. When you think about there's only 260 chapters in the entire New Testament, and we have 300 occurrences of resurrection. Think about this. The promise that we're given as followers of Jesus with more frequency in the New Testament than any other promise is the promise of John 14:19. Because Jesus lives, we will live also. That promise is given more than any other promise to us as believers, that because Jesus is factually and physically alive today, you and I are going to live forever with him in a physically resurrected body. And let me tell you something there were 28 different messi- Messiah figures in Judaism. Only one of those 28 Messianic claimants had their following claim that their Messiah was resurrected from the dead, and that is Christianity. Make no mistake, Christianity, the entire hinge of our belief, sways and pivots on the belief that Jesus died and he rose again three days later. In fact, we can date it. There's two different date options, Greg. This is based in fact. I want to keep saying that. When we talk about Jesus's resurrection as a historian, as a critical scholar, I'm not talking about fantasy world, Avengers world, Tooth Fairy, Santa Claus. I'm saying that on April 5th, A.D. 33, or April 9th, A.D. 30, if you and I were in Jerusalem that day, we would have seen Jesus alive. He physically rose from the grave. It is a fact of history. It's one of the best established facts of late antiquity. And we need to know more about it as Christians, because the more we know about the resurrection of Jesus, the more we're going to know about our own resurrection, and the more grounded we're going to be in our faith. It's the key that unlocks all the other belief systems within Christianity. In in other words, if we could say it this way, if you want to have a Christian worldview, the center of your Christian worldview is Jesus' victory over death.
0: Well... Well, that really brings it. When you mention, if we were in Jerusalem on one of those two days, and in the book you go into those two days, uh, and uh, and the, the facts of that, the you know why we believe one of those two days uh, were the uh, the actual dates and the year. Um, but I've been to Jerusalem several times. I'll be there again this summer with a group of our listeners. And uh, when you're in that city and you go to one of the two places that uh, you know we sort of commemorate the the resurrection of Christ, celebrate it whichever one's correct, or if neither, if either of them are correct, when you're in that city and and, and you're in that setting and you realize the risen Savior uh, was right here, uh, boy, you talk about making it a reality to you. Uh, I mean, it really does come alive. Jeremiah Johnston is our guest uh, with Christian Thinker Society. He's the president and the author of this new book, Body of Proof. Uh, Jeremiah, how many uh, pastors let me see the right way to ask this uh, maybe uh, maybe not a percentage but just what you're feeling on pastors that will preach this sunday easter sunday resurrection sunday that will include some of the apologetics or the proofs of the you know, of the resurrection versus just talking about why it's important how many will actually share some of the the facts and the evidences what do you think
1: I'm delighted to say I think of a growing strong number will, because Good. we're living in the golden era of Christianity, and because we're in this golden era of Christianity, there's more evidences available today that help us understand the facticity behind the bodily resurrection of Jesus from sources outside of the Bible. Now, I want to be very clear when I say that. I believe the Bible is a historical document, so half of my seven top reasons to believe in the resurrection come from the Scriptures. But half of them don't. When we look at the modern science of biblical archaeology, when we study Jewish burial traditions, when we study other facts, both philosophical and practical, that relate to the evidence of Jesus' resurrection and the impact that made on the world, it's unimpeachable that this is a fact. And so I'm delighted that more pastors are locking into these evidences. The cool thing about my book is, this is where my wife, who's a busy mom of five, we have five kids in the Johnston household. It really helped me. There's only about 150 pages. Once you get through Gary Habermas's foreword and the front matter, <laughs> yeah. And if you get once you get past like my citations, there's about 150 pages. So I tried to make the book nice and tight, to where as a, a Christian can pick it up, and in about three and a half hours of reading, you're going to be totally current on the best evidences for the resurrection of Jesus, and then practically why it matters today. People are so excited about this. I've already been approached uh, by Lifeway, the world's largest Bible study publisher. We're going to now be making a Bible study based on the Body of Proof book that's going to come out, Lord willing, in February next year, just in time for Easter season next year. So I'm delighted about just the excitement related to the resurrection. People are loving this because it has so many practical... Um, insights uh, into their own life, whether it be a loved one who's died and is with Jesus, or wanting to own your faith better, know the facts behind your faith. It has so many applications.
0: Well, amen. Uh, I totally agree, and and that was one of my thoughts when I saw that you had this book out, was that there's been a lot of books written on this topic, but I couldn't think of any very recently, and the ones I think of do tend to be sort of scholarly. Um, Yes. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. We need that. Um, but knowing you, I knew that you were going to write it for uh, for normal people on normal schedules who uh, maybe have short attention spans to be able to get through the book. And so, obviously, that was a big uh, part of your motivation.
1: It was, and again, we have five kids that, that deal with the vicissitudes and challenges of life, and it's so fun for me to be able to pass on this resurrection faith our children. That's what it's all about for me as a dad, and this, I make it really clear in the book. I mean, the book is standing on 200,000 words I've written academically and peer-reviewed stuff, but I want to just get right to the immediate next steps of why the resurrection is easy to believe, why the facts are so persuasive, and then specifically the practical applications we can draw out to our own Christian lives. Because remember, Paul, after 57 magisterial verses in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58 says, therefore, because of everything I've just told you about the resurrection of Jesus and your resurrection, he says, be strong. Be immovable. Always be abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So this teaching will actually strengthen our lives and our walk with Christ. It will strengthen our families. It will even make us immovable.
0: Well, it certainly will. And you know, I mentioned uh, one of the two pl- the, the two places in Jerusalem, and uh, you've got a chapter in the book on that. Of course, I didn't mention that the Garden Tomb and the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. So uh, those that are interested in um, maybe where did was Jesus uh, buried. Uh, And where did he rise? Uh, You've got information on that. We're going to take a break, and we'll come back on the other side. And, Jeremiah, when we come back, I want to get into some of these reasons that you give us. You you give the seven best reasons to believe in the resurrection of Jesus. And we've mentioned them, but maybe we'll get a little bit more specific when we come back on the other side. Jeremiah Johnston is our guest. Body of Proof is the name of the book, and he is the uh, president of the Christian Thinkers Society. Hang on, and we'll come right back. And we return with our special guest uh, for this hour. Jeremiah Johnston is with us. He's president of the Christian Thinkers Society and also uh, author of this wonderful new book. I cannot recommend it high enough, Body of Proof, The Seven Best Reasons to Believe in the Resurrection of Jesus and Why It Matters Today, and the why is always uh, very, very important uh, Jeremiah, how do you prefer people to get the book? Uh, do you have a particular website you like to point people to or just uh, wherever books are sold? Give us some Thanks advice. Thanks for
1: asking. Um, they've actually, everywhere has just been restocked. It was wild. They actually ran out of copies the day it was printed, the day it released. But I'm delighted that everybody's been restocked. So wherever you buy books from, it's available. There's an audiobook version that I personally narrated. I'm kind of fanatical that... I don't know why every author doesn't narrate their own book, but I narrate all mine so it's audible, it's available anywhere audiobooks are purchased and of course the paperback
0: and then the version is available as well anywhere my books. So it is out there and I tell you what, it, it may not have enough time as a pastor to do that this week. Um, but you could order now and probably by the uh, the Sunday following Resurrection Sunday, you could give every family in your church one of these books. I think that would be something on Easter Sunday to say, hey, come back next Sunday, and we're going to have a book for you with the seven best reasons to believe in the resurrection of Jesus, and just have them ready. And what you talk about getting people to come back. You give them a free gift, a free book. Sure wouldn't hurt anything. Uh, Body proof is the right. book, Jeremiah J. Johnston. All right, uh, you give the seven best reasons, Jeremiah. So just sort of maybe summarize these reasons for us. And how, how'd you get yep. to seven?
1: Absolutely. Well, seven is God's number, so I just thought it sounded there. You go. Actually, nine. (laughs) There's actually four elite reasons. I the book is so fun. There's four parts to it, but I actually end with two additional what I call frontiers in Jesus research. You know, I'm hoping that someone's going to read this book and say, "Hey, I want to go get my doctorate on one of these two reasons that Mm. Jeremiah adds at the end." So there's actually nine, but the seven best reasons, and I just I love to just give them first all seven, and then if you feel led to dive into one or two, I'm happy to do that. Right. But number one, the resurrection of Jesus, make no mistake, is the only way we ultimately make sense of the suffering in our lives. This is Romans 8.18. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Paul is every day in the light of the resurrection, where he was able to say, you know, to be with Christ is better. Number two, I believe in the resurrection because Jesus he foretold it. He called his shot. If the early church had a hashtag, it'd be hashtag on the third day. By the way, all of Alabama, if you don't know what a hashtag is by now, Greg and I cannot help you. (laughs) But if the early church had a hashtag, it was on the third day. On the third
0: day, I love that. Hashtag on the third day.
1: Jesus had this phenomenal way of taking Old Testament passages and applying them to himself. He takes Hosea 6, 2 and 3 that says on the third day he will raise us up. Jesus takes that passage and he shares it in Mark eight thirty one, Mark nine thirty one, Mark 10, 33, and 34. Three different times Jesus predicts his violent death and resurrection, and that's why Paul in 1 Corinthians fifteen four says that he was raised on the third day, according to Scriptures. Number three, Jesus demonstrated resurrection power, meaning he was able to raise others uh, who had died. Mark 5, Jairus' daughter, mm-hmm. Luke 7, the widow of Nain's son, John 11, of course, that great passage on Lazarus. Number four is so fun. Jesus' bodily resurrection, make no mistake, was not what his disciples anticipated. I mentioned in our first segment there were 28 different Messianic claimants, 27 other people besides Jesus, who in antiquity claimed to be Israel's Messiah. Nobody expected the Messiah to die a heinous and shameful death on the cross. That was not part of Messianic belief in the first century. In fact, we even see this reflected in Matthew 16:22, where Peter said, God forbid, Lord, this will never happen to you. You can't go to the cross. And that's where Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, when he was talking to Peter. Number five is so much fun when I teach this as well. The sources written and archaeological overwhelmingly, and I use that word, overwhelmingly support the resurrection narrative embedded in the Gospels. When we look at all the material culture, Greg, of archaeology, it just supports the entire execution, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The final two are really fun, too. I I think number six is my favorite right now. It's the only convincing—Jesus' resurrection is the only convincing explanation for the conversion of those who did not follow Jesus during his earthly ministry. I'm appealing specifically to his brother James, who was a skeptic, Of course, Saul was a murderer of Christians. Um, And then finally, number seven, it's the only convincing explanation for the historical fact that everywhere the Christian faith goes and is embraced, culture is dramatically changed and made better. And we just see that this Jesus movement that began, make no mistake, with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus caused Christians to care for all humanity and and all forms of life, from the birth to the tomb. Christians even wanted to be buried together, so they created a word called cemetery. Yes, the word cemetery is a Christian invention. It means dormitory, sleeping rooms, because we would wake up together in the resurrection.
0: Well, outstanding. That, man, that you said a lot very quickly, uh, and uh, maybe you had more time with me than you've had on other shows. Let's uh, also <laughs> go to these—I've uh, heard about those. Let's go to some of the, these other two as well, the New Frontier, because— since I brought it up earlier, you do talk about the most significant place in Christianity. Uh, t- tell us a- what you wrote there, and then I love the last one as well, but I'll let you yeah. summarize on both.
1: Well, this one is my only kind of controversial part of the book. Yeah. That's okay, because controversy is the mother's milk of sales, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but there's two great spots for the resurrection of Jesus in the land of Israel in Jerusalem. And Jeremiah, but let me say, army-
0: I followed you. You went over to Jerusalem you spent how much time did you spend over there researching and working? You were there for a little while.
1: Yeah, I was a long time and, and just and also working with the archaeologists mm-hmm. and it's, you know, it's it's cool to be able to get go there and have time to actually look into these things. But The bottom line is, I love the Garden Tomb. The Garden Tomb is so pastoral, it's devotional, you do communion there. Every time I lead a tour, I will always take my people to the Garden Tomb, because it really reflects what the Tomb of Jesus would have been like. However, that tomb probably was around 250 years before Jesus' death and, and resurrection. All of the archaeology points to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, And it almost, you know, nothing about it seems right to us moderns, um, because it's within the city walls. Jesus was crucified outside the city walls. Well, the the city has expanded, of course, since the reign of Tiberius. And as a result, it's hard to see it in our mind's eye, but I go in and just about 2,600 words into all of the latest archaeological discoveries. In fact, the most recent being the actual tomb of Jesus, which was opened. By the way, for a period of sixty hours, which was unbelievable, because there are six different denominations that have yeah. "quote unquote" ownership over the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. So the archaeology is just fabulous, and uh, it's amazing that we can go all the way back to the second century, pointing at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre as the likely spot of not only the resurrection but the crucifixion as
0: well. Well, I, I think you make you, you say it just right, and when you when you do go to the to the Jerusalem Museum and you look at the model of the uh, the city from Jesus' day and you start looking at the path, um, it does make a lot of sense, the Church of the Holy Sepulcher. Of course, we'll never know on this side 100%, but, uh, but I've got to lean that way with you. And then finally, um, as your bonus reasons, your, your new frontier, you say if the disciples invented the story of Jesus' resurrection, they did a terrible job.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love arguing about the resurrection this way, and by I mean arguing, just stating our case, getting the case for the resurrection, because, Greg, if you and I wanted to invent a fake religious belief system in the first century, we would not have invented Christianity. Right. First off, we would not have had our Messiah die on the cross, because death by crucifixion is so shameful, it's not even described by Roman historians. In fact, the most detailed explanation we have of death by crucifixion of all antiquity comes out of the biblical gospels. A lot of people don't realize that. Number two, we would never invent our Savior rising from the dead to take on his physical body again, because we would be so influenced by the platonic notion of the immortality of the soul, we would think that the body was evil, something to throw off. Our souls needed to arise out of our bodies, so we wouldn't have gone to that talking point. And make no mistake, we would never have chosen females to be the original witnesses of the empty tomb. That is a very key term because we just don't realize how mistreated women were in the first century world. We don't realize how mistreated young women were, especially. So we wouldn't have gone on that talking point. In this chapter I go through all the ways in which, you know, we wouldn't give all these embarrassing details. It's the criteria of embarrassment. You know, people that write history tend tend to make the victors look really good. And, you know, you don't really hear about their flaws very often. Well, the Gospels actually reflect the way it really was. Why are the Gospels written this way? Newsflash, because that's how it really happened.
0: Outstanding, outstanding. Um, Now, this book isn't just for um, church-going folks, although this will certainly firm up your faith, your resurrection faith um but uh, this would this is an outstanding book just to give to someone who maybe is skeptical of Christianity skeptical of Jesus and uh, instead of having all these other conversations about all of these other uh, peripheral issues concerning Christianity, if you can just simply convince someone that G- that the evidence is there that Jesus rose from the dead you, you will have won them over is that correct That's and what correct. do you hope yeah. skeptics may take away from the book?
1: Absolutely, absolutely, Greg. I think that is such an important point, because, again, the whole goal of this book is to solidify the faith of believers and to evangelize people that are not believers yet. And if we can get the resurrection of Jesus right, the whole faith rises and falls on the resurrection of Jesus. You know, I answer, as you know, as an apologist, all kinds of questions. This is really the, the, the answer that answers all the other unanswered questions. If Jesus rose again from the dead, God's got this we can trust them with all our unanswered questions,
0: too. Amen. Amen. Jeremiah Johnston, the name of the book is Body of Proof, and uh, we want to encourage you, uh, go order it right away. You've been hearing me talk about it all week long and pointing up to this conversation, and if you haven't already, I just can't encourage you enough. It's got all the latest uh, archaeological uh, evidence in it. Um, You know, you can read books from 30, 40, 50 years ago, and those are great as well, but this does have updated information in it the archaeological, uh, uh, you know, uh, updates are always happening in Israel and in the city of Jerusalem, and so uh, this has got that most up-to-date information in it as well. Uh, Jeremiah, it's always a pleasure for us to have you. We so appreciate what you do, and uh, I want to encourage everybody to find uh, Jeremiah on social media and uh, follow him. He's always putting out great uh, apologetical uh, information, uh, defense of the faith, and uh, got got a, uh, five kids as well that you can keep up with. <laughs> also, uh, Jeremiah, tell people how to follow you consistently.
1: You know what? If you go to our website, christianthinkers.com, it links to me on Instagram. I'm at underscore Jeremiah J, and our website has a blog, and we've got a great YouTube channel as well. And I just can't thank you enough for having me on, Greg. I love everything you're doing, and it's always an honor to talk to you.
0: Absolutely. Jeremiah Johnston, body of proof, we can't recommend it to you high enough. Jeremiah, thank you, brother. And uh, everybody, we appreciate you visiting with us and uh, hopefully encouraged everybody out there, we do hope.